I had to do it to you, Felder, man. I had to do it to you. Yeah, man, I'm a Juneteenth baby. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I got the a big birthday coming up this weekend, but that's okay. You know, it's just part. Of, it just means I've I've had plenty of years to learn about stuff, and that's what we're here for today. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. I had to uh, put the Stevie Wonder on you because your birthday is coming up on <laughs> Sunday. It is it is Juneteenth uh, weekend. It's a it's a great time. It's it's hot in Mississippi, so it's obviously summer. I mean, it's nothing can be nothing can be wrong. Hey, let me ask you this. I, I, I don't. I don't know if I read the whole thing. Is Juneteenth an official holiday yet, or are they just talking about it? They already made it a holiday. No, it's actually a federal holiday. Last um, last year was the first year it was you know fed- okay. federally recognized. So if you have any financial things, the banks will be closed on Monday. Um, I don't know about our state offices, but I know that um, um, the banks and other federal buildings will be closed on Monday. Well, it's a heck of a celebration, man, and it's a good a good opportunity for people who who aren't go, don't have to go into work, or people who don't go to work anyway to get a little bit of gardening done, even though it's really really hot, and worse than heat is humid out there. I mean, as you know, as a fellow Southerner, just standing there, you you can overheat and actually get have health problems because your body can't cool itself off because sweat won't evaporate. A lot, a lot of people up north don't know. Southerners, we're not slow because we're stupid. We're slow because we're in a stupor. <laughs> that that is true. It 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 is hot outside. A lot of heat advisories. I will advise anybody if you're going outside, uh, like you always say, Felder, when you're in the garden, wear a hat, drink plenty of water because it is going to be another hot day. Yeah, and if you don't have to get, like I say, even just you know just moving around in this kind of humidity, even if you're healthy and hydrated. Because the sweat won't evaporate, your body can. This cooling system doesn't work because it's an evaporative process. And if it won't evaporate, you can overheat even if you feel fine. Uh, I had had a, a little scare about, oh, I guess three years or so ago, two or three years ago, I ended up being taken to the hospital because I passed out. And I wasn't doing much at all except just digging around in the yard. But luckily, my son was there. He saw me, and uh, and everything was fine. But I, my body couldn't cool itself. That's all it is to us. So people, be careful. Garden in the morning, garden in the evenings. And, um, you know, garden smart. That's all it is to our, our friends in Minnesota, they don't garden in the middle of the winter. So why do we garden in the middle of the summer? You, know, you need to plan ahead and plant things that don't need a whole bunch of extra digging and extra work this time of year. So anyway, we got plenty of time to talk about all that kind of stuff. Here it is, the, the, the last day's of spring going to be summertime by the time you know we, we roll around next week um, but we're here to talk about folks who have things going on in their gardens and we're going to slide down to mobile alabama hey louise how are you this morning and thanks for calling hi Felder. i am just fine um a few years ago you suggested that when the little satsumas start growing like little cherry size green fruit you All said right. to we- to to cut down, cut off a few of them to let the rest of them get really big and juicy. Is this a time? Is it too late or is it too early? Well, it's you know it's a really good thing. And a lot of home gardeners are not going to do this. Commercial growers actually have machines and they have have sort of like baseball bats that are padded that they beat the limbs with. Whether it's peaches or plums or apples or pears or citrus, they'll remove a lot of the fruit when it's real small, so what's left will get a lot bigger. You can either have a handful of little ones or two or three big ones. Uh, but uh, there's no real benefit from doing this once the 
uh, once the fruits get bigger than about a marble. So, you know, once they're that big, it, you know, if they're, if they're bigger than that, it's no real benefit in doing it. Great. So I'm going to leave them. I don't mind getting little ones, and it would break my heart to cut off some. <laughs> well, yeah, but at the same time, though, you don't mind trimming, you know, fingernails and stuff. Sometimes you just grow more than you need. And, uh, you know, that's just one of those things. And uh, even even uh, tomato growers will do this. They found out if you'll, if you set a tomato plant in the spring, if you'll remove all but two or three main limbs, it's called pruning or, or pinching the suckers out, you'll have m- fewer, bigger tomatoes. If you don't prune them, you'll have more smaller tomatoes. It, it equals about the same weight of tomatoes, but whether you want bigger ones or smaller ones doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of distributing uh, distributing the uh, the energy in the plant. Interesting. Thank you very much. Okay, Louie. Hey, appreciate your call. And stay cool. Okay. <laughs> okay, next slide. Uh, it just says Mississippi. John, I guess we're just going to say somewhere in the great state of the Magnolia State. Where you call? What's up, John? Oh, yes, I'm in Corinth, Mississippi. I've talked to you oh. several times. Yeah, way, uh, on, way on up there, up in the icebox. Is it is it hot in the... Oh, in the, yeah, we're, we're right in the corner of Tennessee and Alabama, actually. just a, Yeah. About, yes, sir. Well, my question yeah. is, and nobody seems to know, uh, I was at uh, in Olive Branch here recently at a facility, and they, I don't... Uh, Mr. Felder, I don't know if these things are bushes or trees. No, nobody seems to know. And I went to a non-denominational church the other day, and they've got them all over. You know, in the nice, you know, with the, you know what I'm saying? They're ornamental, but yeah. they, there's like three or four stalks that come up out of the ground, and I would say maybe uh, eight, about ten inches in circumference, and three or four inches in diameter. Okay, you with me? And right. it doesn't have any bark. They're slick, and they're real kind of a whitish, pale white color. But then it's got these pale brown spots on it, and it goes up, I would say, approximately 15 feet, 12, 15 feet. And then it's, the entire top of it is full of leaves. Yeah. And nobody nobody seems to know what the – is it a bush? Is it a tree? What What is it? Well, well. First of all, a bush and tree are are sort of generic terms. You know, there are a lot of big bushes that are really small trees. A lot of small trees are really big bushes. You know, crepe myrtle is considered a, a a shrub, but it grows like a tree in a lot of cases. So, but but without seeing, I mean, I'd be real surprised if I and, and a whole lot of other people wouldn't know what it was. We just need to have a picture of it. Though. Does it have flowers or anything? Well, see, at the facility, I'll, no, no, no. It comes up in the bark as slick as a baby's butt. I mean, and it, it's kind of a tan, not lighter than tan, but it has not, these not, pale brown spots. And at the very top, it is full of green leaves that are shaped. Oh, gosh, they they just kind of. Well, there are a lot of plants that have. Uh, model what they call mottled or, or, or splotches on the bar. There's a whole bunch of plants. Crate myrtles will do that. Uh, so I, I, without seeing a picture, I can't even begin to get. If there's any way you could get a picture of it to us, we yes, can figure yes, that sir. out. Uh, I'll go out. Well, man, I don't know about where you're at, but it's been hot as blazes around here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's about I'm born and raised in Mississippi. My people have been here a long time, so I understand that. But uh, are you by any chance on Facebook? 
Yes, sir, I am. Uh, my okay. name is well, John C. Well, no, well, hang, hang on. The reason I'm saying is because there's a, there's a Facebook page called Mississippi Gardening, and people post pictures all the time on there. Then, and uh, if if I, I mean, there's there's hundreds of people on there who can quickly identify plants. As long as we get a pretty good close up picture of it, if you go to Mississippi Gardening, uh, if you're not a member, you know, you just just request it and then post a picture of it, and we'll all be glad to help you out. Well, I have a comment for Mr. Java, if you don't mind. He's with you today, I presume. Java, yes, sir. Java's my boss. Java's <laughs> my boss, man. Y'all go yeah, ahead. yeah. I've heard you say that. Yeah, he's a producer. I heard. I was kind of. I didn't know exactly what a producer's role was, but anyway, this may not even fall under his umbrella. But last, and this is this has occurred several times. It's usually months in between. But this radio. Uh, I mean, station identification, the WMAE boogle. No, 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 And then it just goes on and on and on and on, and you can't listen to the program. And I've talked about that during the uh, hours between, what is it, 11 and 12 till 11 o'clock at night is NPR, and, of course, 11 o'clock at night is the BBC. Here, here it is. And I... And it's aggravating. Is you know I've lived. Well, John, in well, John we do. We, we 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 apologize for that. But sometimes our, we um, have our 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 towers here in the studio. When that um, ID it triggers, it, we have a trigger here in the studio, and then it shoots out to all of our different towers. And sometimes we do have um, I'll call them hiccups <laughs> with our tower station. So we do we do apologize. Uh, do apologize for that, John. All right, well, let's shoot the picture of that, John, and we'll, and we'll take it from there. And we're going to move on now. We've got to go all the way from way up north down to the Gulf Coast to Biloxi. Hey, Joe, good morning, sir. How are you? Hello, Joe. Yeah. Hey, good morning to you. Uh, Howdy. I've got, I'm doing great. It's hot already, though. I have five, I have five queen palms in my backyard. My normal method of watering them is for the soaker hose. I do deep watering. Um, due to the heat, I've been watering my entire yard with um, a rotating sprinkler, which is hitting the trunks of all five of the palm trees. I've been told the trunks aren't meant to get wet. It will cause root rot. Um, wonder what your thoughts are on that. And I have a follow-up question also. Okay. Well, well, well. First of all, you know these are tri- queen palms. You know they'll only grow on the coast. We have palms that grow further north in Mississippi, but it's 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 one of those classic palms with a long, straight trunk. And it's a great palm, but they grow in the tropics. They grow in Florida where they get rained on every day. See, so that's not a problem unless you're keeping it way, way too wet. And uh, and I, I got to point this out, Joe. If you'll ride around Biloxi, you'll see a lot of palms and a lot of lawns that aren't being watered at all they ought to be watered every now and then but if you water more than every week or two there's something wrong because plants simply don't need it that you know just ride around and see for yourself so if you're watering a lot don't don't water longer uh let's say water maybe two or three times an hour or so apart to really soak it in and then let it go a week or more before you do it again put the water down deep let the surface dry out because if you're keeping it wet, roots are going to stay shallow and the deep roots are going to rot. But anyway, if you're watering every day, it rains every day in Florida. So that's not going to be a problem. If you're overwatering, that's a problem. Okay. I generally water them with a sprinkler 
once a week, my yard, the grass, yeah. the flower beds. There, there, there's, there's zero problem doing that. But but when you, when you water, really water well. You know, if you've got a sprinkler system, uh, maybe have it come on for, for 20 or 30 minutes and then off for 20 or 30 minutes and then back on for 20 or 30 minutes to let that first one sort of set the, set the dirt up so it, so it swells up. The second one really soaks in. So watering a two or three times, and this is, this is true of potted plants, of lawns, of any kind of plant. Water two or three times a few minutes apart and then let them go a long time before you do it again. And that's, that's not going to cause any, any problems on the palms. Okay, will do. Now, my follow-up question, around these green palms, around some of them, I've got these uh, yellow-flowering, dark green pines that I've planted around them just for ornamental looks. Will that cause root rot? No, not unless you're watering too much. You know, palms grow in jungles, and jungles are made up of all different kinds of plants. The big problem is overwatering, which means watering too often. And as long as you're okay. not watering more than, more, more than every few days, more than every week or two, zero problem. Okay. Good news. Thank you. Okay, Joe. Appreciate, appreciate your call. All righty, Java. You, you get that sorted out with the, uh, with the telling everybody who we are over and over again all night long? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. And if you listen back, um, he actually said it only it happened once a blue month or something like that. So yeah. it's not anything that yeah. happens often. Yeah, that's the time where you go fix yourself another cup of tea. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Uh, we've got a caller from up in Shelby County. We're going to come back and talk with him. If you've got something on your garden, a lot of problems are, uh, with, with vegetables right now, with insects, with stink bugs, with diseases. A lot of problems because of our hot, humid weather. It's great for fungi. It's great for insects. And if you've got problems with that, whether you're organic or chemical or don't want to do anything, Give us a call. We'll talk about it. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, there's information you can use to help maintain a healthy lifestyle. Just search for Southern Remedy on your favorite podcasting app. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Pella Ruskin here, me and Java and all the other folks at MPB. We welcome you to this one of many locally produced programs, and uh, we're not going to try to sell you anything or talk to you into anything, but just give you a chance to chat about stuff and get some other opinions about it. And um, we're going to start uh, this segment up in Neshoba County talking with Bill. Hey, Bill, how are you? Bill. Hey, Bill. Bill in Neshoba County, are you here? All right, let's move on from Bill because uh, Felder, we do have a yeah man. We got we got to keep things rolling. We got a full a full bank of calls. So let's go. Let's, roll. let's talk with uh, Barbara in Boonville. Hey Barbara, good morning. Good morning. Um, How are you doing? My question is, my question is, uh, we got some blueberries and we got this lime dirt, and uh, they don't get very big at all, and about like a pea size or maybe a little bit bigger. And our friend has got the same bush, and his gets about the size of 
about four or five times that big. And I'm just wondering uh, what we might could do to help our dirt uh, fertilize or whatever to uh, help them make bigger blueberries. Well, it's a good question, and and uh, and, and and I'm I'm assuming that that you're right that 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 y'all have the same variety because there's a I have five different varieties of blueberries, and some are small, some are big. Depends a lot of times it's just the variety. But if a plant's not doing very well, its berries can't swell up and it can't reach their full potential. Here's the deal. Blueberries don't like just plain old dirt. They don't grow naturally in dirt. You never see them growing along a fence row. You always see them in rich, woodsy type of azalea conditions. They, they don't have a real taproot or real strong roots like other shrubs. It's more like a, a furry thing. So uh, anything you can do to, to help the roots grow wider uh, you know go outside the you know away from the shrub a little bit and kind of loosen their dirt up and work some some peat moss or some compost work some kind of organic matter into your dirt so it's more of a woodsy type of soil those real thin fibrous roots they can't penetrate into clay like a like a like a, a holly or a or an oak tree can so anything you do to to loosen up and add some organic matter to the soil and then cover the top of the dirt with some real tree leaves uh, tree leaves break down by worms, and they, and they get circulated down, and they sort of feed the, the the dirt. They break down into 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 better dirt. So put real tree leaves on top of the ground. And if you want to cover that up with something prettier like pine straw or bark, that'd be fine. But anything you do to help worms and and other ways get organic matter down around those roots to make it a, a richer type of soil that helps a lot. Otherwise, if you can just give it a really good soaking, no more than every few days, every, you know, at, at least once a week, give it a real good slow soaking and then cover the ground up with some leaves, those will help in, in the short run. But in the long run, they really need a big washtub-sized hole with a, a little bit of, of organic matter added to your dirt to make the roots think they're out in the woods. Okay. Well, that sounds good, and thank you a lot. Okay, good luck on it. Meanwhile, enjoy what you got. Okay, thank you. Oh, we're seeing a lot of that Java right now. It's so it's not just you know we some some people are getting plenty of water. They're getting plenty of rain. If they got a hose, but if roots can't cope, if the plants are suffering in this hot uh, weather and the humidity and the and the wind and all, it can dry the tops out quicker than roots can suck it up. And a lot of people compensate by overwatering and that actually causes more problems so a good slow deep soaking a lot of mulch those are the real keys to helping plants right now yeah they're overwatering i can see how it's a problem especially in the summer because you just my plants need water my plants need water but you don't want to overwater but let's go to um, let me throw out one other thing a lot of plants like hydrangeas big soft leaf plants they naturally droop in the heat of day as a as a, a natural conservation thing and it looks like they're wilting for not enough water but if you notice they pick up overnight so just because the plant is drooping doesn't necessarily mean it's soaking so just give it a good soaking try not to overwater in this kind of heat so who else we got oh man we have jimmy from greenville hey jimmy what's going on in the delta uh nothing much Felder. how are you guys this morning so far so good uh, quick question for you. I've got um, St. Augustine grass, and I have to brag and say i got the best-looking grass on my street. Um, and I take your advice, and I mow high. Uh, 
My question is, with myself mowing high, it looks like every week I want to cut the grass. Should I cut it every week, two weeks, or, or what do you think? Well, the the idea is, and, and oddly enough, in hot weather, you really ought to mow less often because, you know, it, it, it seems like it, it, it puts a, a, a grass that gets cut is immediately under stress to put out new growth. Uh, and you've got St. Augustine grass. If you'll set your mower on the highest setting and just mow it only, then you can mow it as often as you want. You know, just keep it neat. Uh, but, you know, if you're right around the older parts of Greenville, you'll see a lot of lawns that look good, like around the schools and the cemeteries and the churches, and they're never mowed to speak of, and they're never water the nice thing because they're allowed to keep the leaves as much as possible. So anyway, if you mow high, then you can mow as often as you want. That leaves plenty of leaves. If you're cutting a little bit low, uh, let's let it get some size on it. In the heat of the summer, it's better to mow a little bit higher, a little bit less often. I've got my mower set at the highest level, so I mow high. So, uh, well, it, it, as long as your grass is nice and thick and looks pretty good, that's that's fine. Uh, St. Augustine okay. really suffers when you cut it close. Right now, I never would do that, but I just I didn't want to mow it too often because it's getting hot, and I wanted to make sure, you know, the roots were, you know, deep in the soil and stuff. So, well, you know... Well, mowing is something that we do because we like it. If it looks okay, you don't need to mow it. The grass doesn't have to be mowed more than every couple of weeks. You know, as long as, you know, if it looks okay, you don't need to mow it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Velda. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, appreciate your call, Bill. I mean, uh, let's go up to Mike and Hernando. Mike, what's going on? Hey, you guys. Um, Two things. First of all, I'm I'm on the phone to defend Java. I was in television broadcasting for 20 years, and I know FCC, et cetera, and station IDs are necessary legally. Also, it's talk radio, for heaven's sakes, and John is doing an excellent (laughs) job. He's doing the job, and he's doing it well. And people ought to get... Well, I appreciate that, Mike. Yeah, and Mike, you 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 of all you know you you have some idea what all Java does as a producer. Anyway, we appreciate that. Oh Lord, yeah. What, what? Well, I'm <laughs> keep it up because Java's doing a darn good job, and he's a good partner for you because he's a great he's a great straight man, and I really get a <laughs> kick out of it. <laughs> that's that's so funny because I'm a, I'm actually the straight man to Java. <laughs> uh, no, I've listened to you guys. One of you is always getting the other one. <laughs> well, what 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 else you got going on, Mike? Appreciate it. Well, I was I was worried about mowing too, and I'm glad that man asked the question because I have a lawn service, and they come in about uh, every week to ten days, and it, that's sufficient, right? I mean, I know it's hotter than all stink, but the grass is green and looks fine, and I don't water it. I probably should, but I let the clouds take care of it, and it looks beautiful. A lot of people just don't realize. A lot of people don't don't trust their lawn to 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 do well. They just don't they don't understand that grass does fine without being cut all the yeah. time. Well, that's what I thought because I'm used to looking out over the grass and mine's greener than my neighbors and they're worried to death about it. And you know it's just standard lawn, but I don't I, I don't I don't want people to go overboard watering either because we end up with water pouring down the street, which is a waste. 
Well, now here, here's one of my problems, and uh, and I'm sort of exposing myself to everybody listening. But, you know, I'm trained in turf management in Mississippi State, and I know what grass needs. I know what, what's best for each different kind of grass from its point of view, watering, nutrition, uh, cutting heights, uh, insect, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, which herbicides. Yeah. And, and, and if I say you really need to water your grass every week, like the researchers show is best for grass, my dad would just turn the program off because he said, you're an idiot, boy. You never mow all the time. But if I say you don't have to mow all the time, horticulture scientists say I'm dumbing stuff down. So I just say right around town and look at the church, the cemetery, the schoolyards. Their lawn looks pretty good, and it does not mow it all it the time. And let people make yeah, up their own minds about what to do. Yeah. Yeah, well, we appreciate you got listener You've got listeners out here that trust you because you're, you're our source. And we appreciate, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. And, you know, and there's other folks out there. You know, I, I'm on this Mississippi Gardening Facebook thing, and and uh, uh, Gary Bachman, Dr. Gary Bachman from Mississippi State, and he's on there, and he teaches me stuff, and you know, we we kick stuff. And Carol Reese, who's up in Tennessee, there's all sorts of folks around, you know, who we we sort of help each other, and I learn stuff every single week. I'm just one of the few experts. If I don't know something, I will admit it, and I will learn. Anyway, I'm glad you we, say that, and I, I appreciate that. Hey, tell Java to keep up the good work. You you tell him. Java, keep up the good work. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll try, Mike. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> man, man this is turning into a circus here, Java. Well, we're going to circle back to uh, somebody who, who tried to join the circus but fell off. Uh, let's talk with Bill in the Shoba County. He, he called back. Hey, Bill. Thanks for calling back, man. What's going on? Well, I'm glad to get through. Uh, I have a couple of questions uh, about my vegetable garden. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I have, uh, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, I planted uh, six tomatoes. And, you know, all in the same bed, uh, same fertilizer, same watering schedule. Uh, one of them is six feet tall, and the other... Uh, five are maybe two feet tall. Yeah. Do you have any idea what's going on? Uh, yeah. You know, a, a lot of times, is this a new garden or is it an older garden? I don't, I, uh, well, it's called seven years old, and that's yeah. all. And they're all the same variety? Uh, no, there's two. Uh, let's see. Uh, cherry tomatoes and Best Boy. Yeah. Well, the cherry tomatoes, you know, those are pretty rapid growing skinny vines anyway. The things that can affect how 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 stretchy a tomato plant gets, water, nitrogen fertilizer, you know, if you add just a little bit more nitrogen the plants need, it tends to for- throw them into green growth rather than the flowering growth. And, you know, sometimes it can actually make them drop all their flowers off the small fruits. But, a little, uh, you know, if your soil is a little rich, a little moist, plants can grow, uh, you know, the, the plants themselves can grow better uh on the other hand if one of them got a little bit of root problem it could be stunted so other you know other than you know not watering too much and fertilizing lightly you know everything else can be mostly dependent on the kind of roots you got and what kind of weather we're having i i get so many pictures of what's wrong with my tomato plants and after a while it boils down to roots and fertilizer and water okay uh that, that's just an educated guess. Without looking at it, I, I don't know. Okay, well, maybe you can help with this other one. Uh, so 
So I, I have a number of beds, and every year I, I rotate uh, what goes in those beds. And every year the bed that I plant okra in just gets decimated by armadillos. <laughs> and I have, to, I have to replant and replant, and I'm on my third replant, and it looks like I'm going to you know, get them uh, big enough to start producing. Is there something that is attracting them to the okra? You know, that's a good question, and I can't, you know, what I know about okra, being a mallow hibiscus, I, I, I can't imagine it being anything specific to okra. It might just be that the dirt's easier to dig around it because the plants are spaced apart, but... Other than putting some chicken chicken wire out there, you know, if you get to some chicken wire that you can just lay pieces around the plants, armadillo's got a stand on it, and they can't dig in st- what they're standing on. So, you know, you might just get you some sections of chicken wire. You can spray paint them brown if you don't like the way they look, but, you know, just lay that on the ground so they have to stand on it and can't dig through it. But that's a good question. I've never heard it, and I have no idea. And, and I'm okay with not knowing something because somebody's going to help us both out. Okay, well, I uh, haven't tried. I've put out other kind of barriers, and it uh, seems like the armadillos just push them to the side. But I'll, uh, I have some uh, already rusted uh, chicken wire. I'll just cut yeah, it up well, and see if that yeah, works. Just, just, just lay it around because the armadillos, you know, are these raised beds, are they surrounded by, by, do you have wood around them, or are they just beds? They're ra- uh, raised beds. But with wood? Uh well, I got uh, wood mulch on one side and just regular dirt on the other side. No, 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 no. I mean, are they surrounded? Are they framed up with wood boards? Oh, no, no. Okay, okay. Well, in that case, you may have the, the make make the chicken wire where, where it go, goes over past the size of the bed so that the armadillos can't dig up under it around the edge because they're, they're, you know, they're not... Bright, they're not brilliant, but they're bright enough to figure that out. So you might want to have it where it sticks out over the edge of the bed. Oh, okay. All right, well, I'll give it a try. Educate a guest, man. Let us know. Okay. Thank you very much. You bet. Okay, Java, it's been kind of a rocking and rolling first half of this program, ain't it? It really has, man. It really has. But you got a nice cheesy tune coming up. I do, and you know, and it's uh, because, you know, this this birthday weekend, I'm going to celebrate in a little, little town called Liverpool, Liverpool, England. It's a cool place, one of the coolest places in England. And I've been there numerous times, but you know, this weekend is Sir Paul McCartney's 80th birthday, and I thought, what better way to celebrate his birthday and this time of year than to play this kind of cheesy tune, just to sort of brighten things up a little bit. We're going to settle down and get another cup of coffee while this is playing and go, come back and talk with you about whatever's on your gardening mind. It's a live program, folks, here on MPB. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Me and Java Chapman uh, are going to just take a little break. A little cheese music to shake things up. Come back and talk about gardening here the first weekend of summertime. We'll be right back. To laugh, and when the sun is out, I've got something I can laugh about. We take a walk, the sun is shining down. 
burns my feet as they touch the ground. Welcome back. Horticulture Felder Rushing here. And I know we really don't like this heat and this humidity. I know we don't, but our plants like it. There's a lot of things that are really kicking right now. Um, you know, r- roses are starting to cycle into their second main bloom, but we're seeing cannas, we're seeing daylilies, we're seeing uh, uh, gladiolus, um, and, and actually seeing quite a bit of, of vegetables come in, the, the uh, uh, corn. It loves this kind of weather, and yeah, it's it's miserable for us. But the main thing to keep in mind right now is don't overwater, but give plants a good deep soaking. If you're not watering, you ought to. If you're watering a lot, you ought not to. Uh, and those are just real basic things. Mulch is your friend. Mulch is your friend. It keeps the ground cool. It keeps it moist. It protects it from real fast changes. And as it decomposes, it actually feeds the soil, which is good for roots. Uh, also, fertilizer. We don't need to fertilize as much in this hot weather. Don't need to push the plants with too much nitrogen. Uh, just sort of let them keep keep them lean and mean. Let them grow sturdy and steady. Um, as far as insects, there's a lot of problems right now with stink bugs, particularly one that's called leaf-footed bug. Leaf-footed bug is a big stink bug. Uh, it's long. It's not that shield-shaped, typical stink bug. And the uh, his back legs flare out, look like small leaves on it. They're extremely hard to kill. They're res- uh, they're just they're tough little machines. They're like bricks with sticks on them, with 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 feet. Um, and there's not much I can recommend that you can use. But one thing I'm seeing a lot of people doing is using seven. They put seven, which is insecticide, on everything. Here's the deal: seven is a Pretty dependable, fairly mild insecticide, but it works best on chewing insects, beetles, caterpillars, things that bite plants. doesn't work as well on sucking-type insects like aphids, uh, mites, stink bugs. See, so there is not a good all-purpose single insecticide. need to find out what the problem is, what it's on. Let's find something that works on that pest, on that type of plant instead of just trying to douse everything. I'm not anti-chemical. I'm just saying they don't all, you know, you wouldn't put ketchup on a mustard plant is what I'm trying to say. So seven, seven is like the salt of, uh, <laughs> of yeah, insecticides. Yeah. Everybody yeah, just puts it, it on everything. I mean, it looks like it's been snowing out there. And what's really weird, Java, you've seen people dump seven dust on plants. It looks like it snowed on the plants. And what's weird is the bugs are on the bottom of the leaves. See, so if you're going to use seven, at least use a liquid and spray the underside of the leaves. And if you're using any kind of insecticide in, a, in, in the garden on, on any kind of flowers, try to do it late in the day after the butterflies and pollinators are gone for the day. And a lot of times the insecticides work overnight. And this, this applies for, for natural organic pesticides, too. They can kill beneficial bugs and butterflies just as much as any kind of chemical. So just be careful. Apply it late in the day. 
underside the leaves and don't think there's one all-purpose neem oil type of thing that's going to solve all our problems. So anyway, let's let's slide over to Flowood and talk with Chip. Chip, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm fine. What's going on with you? What, what, what can we help you with? I, you may, you may, you just touched on the one of the subjects that I that I uh, told the uh, the receptionist that I wanted to talk about, which was a, a an insecticide for my tomato plants. I'm, I'm I've raised all my tomatoes and my peppers from from seed, and I don't want to lose vegetation to the uh, the tomato cutworm. And I had used right. a, a spray insecticide, and it burned the leaves, burned them black, like they'd been yeah. to a fire, and yeah. and so I wanted to. See, you know, did I use too much? I, I tried to. I read the entire instructions and used it as the can said, but uh, I just did not. I did not like that, and that that hurt me <laughs> since I, I planted these tomatoes from seed. So I'm looking for yeah. an idea. And I, and I heard you just talk about seven dust, and that's the old remedy that that my dad, uh, you know, has used for years. But uh, I wanted to reach on that, to, uh, touch with the, on that, and also uh, I'm I'm mixing some. Um, what do you call it, Epsom salt, with my general purpose fertilizer in, in water. And yeah. I had also heard that some people are adding ammonia. What's your opinion about that? Okay, my, my opinion is you're, you're, you're putting a chemical concoction of stuff on your plants that, that doesn't need it. Epsom salt is one of those things that everybody, you go online, everybody says use Epsom salts. And the truth is it's a bunch of hooey. I'm real sure of this. Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate. That's all it is. It has magnesium, which is a nutrient plants need in extremely small amounts. And most soils have got plenty of magnesium in it. So uh, Epsom salts can slightly green plants up a little bit, but it's not necessary, and too much of it can burn plants. So Epsom salts is one of those things I wish people would just stop. It's not meant to be used that way, but... A lot of people do anyway. It's like putting eggshells in your garden to add calcium. It doesn't put calcium in the soil, but everybody says it does, so everybody else says it does. Anyway, hold back on the Epsom salts. That's a bunch of hooey. And by the way, I've tested soil from Mississippi State for several years. I really know what I'm talking about here. But as far as burning the plants, usually watering in the middle of the day, people say that'll burn plants, and it doesn't if it rains. So that you know that's not a big deal. But you may have... But but you you may have applied the stuff longer on each plant than necessary, which actually concentrates it. If that makes sense, you know. So if you just stand there, you know, if you just stand there and keep pouring it on, pouring it on, that concentrates it. So next time, wait till late in the day, you know, use a spray, hit the underside of the leaves, and and overnight the stuff will work, and it's less likely to burn your plants. And just don't soak everything, just to the point of of, of wetting stuff is all you really need. What 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 insecticide did you use, by the way? Do you remember? It was the spectricide uh, triaza uh, side, and uh, yeah, it, it 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 was in an aerosol can, and it and it came out like a like a a yard fogger, and it said to wet the leaves, especially underneath. And yeah. so you're you know you're I'm circling the plant to try to keep uh keep it even as uh you know as as I could. But man, the next day I was like, I threw the can, rest of the can away. I says, I'm not going to do that to myself. Well, a, a, a lot of these aerosols and a lot of a lot of insecticides have got um, 
they got the active ingredient. Active ingredient actually does what you want. They also have inert things, things that help it work better. And if those concentrate, that's often what causes the problem. So next time, you know, just, you know, d- don't keep going around, around, around. You know, use a little bit and and be done with it. You don't have to really so you don't need to concentrate is what I'm saying. That's usually the inert ingredients that causes the burns. And I've also planted some marigolds because I've, I've heard that uh, that'll that'll help uh, <laughs> uh, deter the, the moth. That, uh, okay, that okay. Here, okay, I'm, I'm with, you know, Java's probably rolling his eyes on this. I, I work with a, a, there's a whole group of, of horticulture scientists. We get together online and we share stories about what people do and why that makes no sense. Marigolds, somebody found out years and years and years ago that marigolds, if you grow them and then till them into the soil, they will temporarily reduce nematodes in the soil, little microscopic worms. That's the only thing that they do. But somehow that got out, and it became marigolds will repel pests. They do not. As a matter of fact, they attract spider mites. But it's one of those entrenched things, uh, like house plants cleaning the air. It's not, it's not true. It's been debunked over and over and over. But everybody says some marigolds are pretty. They're good for pollinators. They smell like dirty socks if you if you rub them between your fingers. But they're not going to keep insects out. And I'm not trying to be negative here. But there's as a matter of fact, if you go online and do a thing about gardening myths. You'll, you know, you'll be so, you know, bats don't eat mosquitoes. Purple martins don't eat mosquitoes. Those are really common myths. Marigolds and Epsom salts and eggshells in the garden are incredibly popular myths. They're even promoted sometimes by in extension publications, but we just know better. So anyway, main thing is just try not to overdo it in any kind of spray and try to do it late in the day. Felder, I think we may have to do a whole show about debunking these myths because I know people call in with things that are happening in in their yard, and you just come with the blanket. Nope, not going to help. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm really, really not. But at the same time, horticulturally, intellectually honest, uh, there's several people written books on, on on garden myths. Maybe we can get one of them on. This. Uh, a couple of them are good good friends of mine. We'll get them on there. Uh, not to mock people or make people feel bad or feel stupid, but just point out that people say stuff that sounds good, or maybe it had something kind of connected to it that may have worked, and all of a sudden it gets, uh, I think the word, conflated into all sorts of stuff. So anyway, people are going to swear by it. They're going to say I'm an idiot, you know, and I, it's not that I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm going to stick with the facts. Anyway, cook. I got, a, I got a little high horse here for a second. Let's take a break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. I'm going to go throw some, some cold water on my face. I think we all need it. Go out in the yard. Instead of watering the plants today, just run some water over your toes. That'll make everybody feel better. We'll be back with a little more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Okie dokie folks, welcome back Horticulture Spell to Russia We've got a couple of lines open right now If you'd like to give us a call The lines are open It's toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring And I'll be glad to talk with you about your gardening thing uh, By the way, if you have a chance uh, in your online I know a lot of folks, including me I say I don't, I don't do social media The only social media I do The only one that I do is is called Mississippi Gardening on Facebook. 
It's real gardeners, but there's also real experts. Dr. Gary Bachman is there. Uh, I can just I, I can name a whole bunch of folks who are really sharp gardeners and horticulturists. But also, people just say, "Here's my gladiolus. Here's my here's my fur baby. Here's what what is this on my plant? What is this weed?" It's a really good gathering place for just like the Gestalt gardener. People are just interested in gardening and don't mind asking other gardeners and don't mind sharing what we know. So Mississippi Gardening on Facebook, a uh, lot, a lot of questions. I just posted a whole bunch of pictures from from the past week. Uh, I visited the uh, Royal Horticulture Society uh, has, has a new botanic garden opened up last year. I went to the opening. Um, it's called Bridgewater. It's the newest RHS botanic garden. I'm also going to one this next week to the to a flower show. Uh, at Harlow Carr Royal Horticulture Society Botanic Garden, picking up some really cool stuff. Anyway, I posted a bunch of pictures of it on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook page. Meanwhile, for this week's podcast, I threw in a, a couple of pictures. Job, I don't know which one you're going to go with. I, I sent up one uh, taken in Liverpool of a tree that's been covered with little blue glass flowers. It looks like a bottle tree in Liverpool. Yeah, I think we may. I'm gonna find a way if I can uh, put all three together because you got the the bottle tree, the um, the knitting, the knitted tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a whole street where where knitters got together and made like little little. Tr- it's, it's like socks that go all the way up the trunks of the trees. It's so cool. I want, I want so bad to do that in my little neighborhood in Jackson called Fonder. Knitted tree trunk covers, uh, and also. Flowers planted in a tire. It's not just a Mississippi thing. They do it in England, too. So anyway, it's it's fun to see really high-end stuff, but it's also comforting to see people with artificial grass and plastic flowers, even in England. So it, 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 gardening is an attitude. It's not a style. It's a big, big tent. And the more I uh, see more gardeners having fun and enjoying what they're doing, uh, the, the 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 happier I am that 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 we can we can all learn from each other. Uh, in, anyway, if you could put all three of those pictures on the on the uh, the podcast, the uh, Gestalt Gardener podcast, I think that'd be fun. Uh, meanwhile, let's slide down to, to Biloxi. Uh, Larry's calling from the Gulf Coast. What's up, Larry? Hey, Southern. Um I was talking to one of my cousins the other day, and we were talking about my grandpa that lived down on the point in Biloxi many many years back. Uh-huh. And he always had some hot peppers growing around the outside of his house. And he's had several gardens in his yard for potatoes and beans and strawberries and scuppernine and all that. But he had hot peppers right around the outside of the house. And he said that those kept the bugs away, but we never remember seeing bugs. Such a thing? Yeah, or is well, that a myth also? Yeah, just, just coincidence. I mean, you know, uh, there are a lot of plants that will repel insects if you rub the leaves on you, you know, pennyroyal and mint and all those kind of things. Uh, even our Native American beauty bear, you rub the leaves on your arm, the mosquitoes won't bite you, but they don't repel insects on their own. Hot peppers, none of that. You know, so it's largely a coincidence and probably something he was doing at the same time that, that had the real effect, but the plants themselves didn't do it. Now, I'm, I'm real. I'm real. You know, in order for me to say stuff like purple martins don't eat mosquitoes, I've got to really be able to back it up. You know, and the <laughs> well, purple, purple martins, purple martin society. You know, scientists they cut a bunch of martins open, and all they could find were dragonflies and beetles, no mosquitoes. <laughs> but everybody says purple martins eat mosquitoes. So, you know, so I, I have to be really sure if I say something bold like that. Well, I can tell you the, uh, about the uh, Epsom salts. It will burn a plant up in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, it's magnesium sulfate. It's just simply not needed, and it can cause problems. It often yeah, does. But yeah. anyway, when, when I say uh, that, people say, well, you're an idiot because it's all over the Internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, everything, in the inter- everything on the Internet is correct, right? Yep, 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 yep. Well, anyway, I, I appreciate it. And, and I wish I knew what it was that, that Grandpa did, but it wasn't just the hot peppers. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good weekend. Thank hey, you. Hey, it, it, it might have been because he was eating hot peppers. The mosquitoes didn't want to fool with him. It could be. He was an ornery old cuss. You eat garlic, and you're not going to have anybody siding up to you because you're going to smell like garlic. Absolutely. Not going to have a date on that one. Yeah. All righty, man. Appreciate it, Larry. Thank you, Bill. You bet. We have time to talk to Melvin and Rizland. No, unfortunately, I think we're oh, running out of. Fooey. Yeah, we ran out of time on Melvin. Yeah. We got about ten seconds. Fooey. Well, anyway, I'm sorry, Melvin. Uh, give us a call back next week. Cause I'm going to be back same time, same place next week. I am uh, spending the weekend in Liverpool. I'm I'm going to the Royal Horticulture Society Botanic Garden called Harlow Carr for their. Uh, 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 their flower show. England has flower shows from top to bottom all the time. And I always, I don't go for the big show gardens. I look for the little small display gardens done by, by, by local designers. Fun stuff. How do they make fences without spending a lot of money? What do they use to label their plants with that's fun that I can do? Those are the kind of things I look for. Meanwhile, it's hot, it's dry. Juneteenth celebration, stay hydrated, drink the right kind of stuff, or at least the right kind of stuff in between the other stuff. And happy happy birthday, Felder. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, Java. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate being part of your team. We're going to take a little break this holiday week. We'll be back more the Gestalt Garden here on MPB. Take a kid to a garden center or farmer's market and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Oh, and happy birthday, Paul McCartney. 